0: Welcome to Junior Doctors' Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive, but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana, and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode, stack. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Junior Doctors' Corner. Today we have an episode that was recorded a while ago, um, towards the end of 2019, um, and for reasons that I will not go into, the publication of this episode was delayed, but there is actually no better time than the present. I hope you guys are all keeping safe and well with what's going on with COVID-19, and I understand that it is a very stressful time, especially for some people. Um, you know, hospital residents and interns who have found out that they're not allowed to move on to the rotations that they originally would have been if not for the virus. So um, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, what Dr. Jonathan King has created is actually a really awesome resource for not just doctors, but um, practically all patients who need um, immediate access to a psychologist. Also, a quick side note here, I do apologize for the horrible audio quality. I did not realize the location where we recorded this interview was going to have very noisy, blasting air conditioning. So, um, if you could turn the volume down um, if you're wearing headphones, um, you will find it somewhat bearable. But I promise it really is very good content in this interview. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining me on Junior Doctor's Corner.
1: Hi, Dana. Thank you very much for having me today. It's uh, it's pretty cool to be in Brisbane. It is nice weather out. I am so stoked to be in the warm weather. Sydney's been pretty bad. So, yeah, glad to be here.
0: Well, welcome. Um, so, to start off with, uh, for those who haven't yet had the pleasure of knowing you, uh, can you please tell us a bit about yourself?
1: Well, I... Uh, I'm a medical doctor like yourself, um, but about three years ago, I left and started a digital mental health company, Um, you know, started as a founder, you know, typical startup, uh, now officially the title CEO. Uh, It's still a bit hard to, uh, it's a bit ironic when I say it, but I guess now that you have staff and you have different roles, you kind of have to um, live up to that. But yeah, I started a digital mental health company. Uh, We started initially in far north Queensland providing mental health services via telehealth to regional rural uh, Australians that started with three psychologists in November 15 2017 Mm -hmm. as of about a month ago we have 515 psychologists working Mm -hmm. uh, with listen and it's pretty amazing and the next four months we're opening up 16 clinics so you know face-to-face clinics going back into brick and mortar so that's really exciting um but really i think this journey it's it's grown beyond i ever expected
0: well congratulations on all that success it must be a very exciting time for yourself and your company
1: yes uh it's it's exciting i think that you know, just, just reflecting and, and knowing that we, we've been able to help, you know, thousands of people this last year, it's pretty cool. And it's more people than if I was still working as a clinical doctor, you know, seeing, you know, a few patients a day where we're seeing them on hundreds or thousands a week. So it's it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you really like that you're creating a much bigger ripple effect with the work that you're doing now.
1: Definitely. And I, and I have to say that, you know, when I started this, I actually thought of it as a potential side hustle. No, you know, no. I, I really thought that, you know, we could create a little business that could help people, uh, you know, with their mental health, provide services to regional and rural Australians, and it really just be a really solid, you know, side hustle. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would still continue with surgery. Um, I never imagined it growing to this size. Uh, I think in the first year, we, we hit about 75 clinicians Mm -hmm. and and then after that I made the decision to go full-time so to knowing that and and being able to help people uh, on a much larger scale as great as surgery is and I do miss aspects of it um, I think that I have fallen in love with the mental health industry And I do get really excited about, you know, being able to impact, you know, people's lives. And when you get, you know, letters or emails saying that, thank you so much that, you know, we've been trying to find someone to help my son or Mm -hmm. daughter. It's it's really it reminds you why you did this.
0: Okay. So Jonathan, you mentioned that you're the CEO and founder of Listen. Um, So from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's an online platform that matches users to a psychologist that's best fit for them. Uh, But, you know, before we delve, you know, into the deeper details of the features of Listen, you did already start to allude to, you know, the answers for this next question. But can you please tell us a little bit more about what prompted you to create Listen?
1: I think that we all have, you know, we've seen people in our life that dealt with mental health, uh, whether that's family or friends, uh, close loved ones. Um, and then you compile that with, you know, dealing with it in the clinical sphere when you're seeing patients with, you know, they might be surgical patients or they might be medical patients. And they have combined with mental or social issues and, you know, just trying to refer them on to get community care after you've dealt with them in the hospital or helped them and sort out their issue. I think seeing those long wait lists and wait times started getting me thinking. And I really, like I said before, it really thought it was was just gonna be a small business and just trying to, you know, I saw a few patients that we tried to refer them in the community uh, and we were told that they would wait for months. So just send them back to the GP. And so we did that, you know, that's, that's, um, that's the reality of some of the uh, services out in regional or rural areas. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got me thinking and, you know, it started making me think, why can't it be done easier? Why can't services be quicker? You have, you have the technology out there. You have clinicians around the city and metro areas that don't have work or enough work. Mm-hmm. Why can't we connect them? So really, started Listen as a just a mental health service, like a telehealth service. Um, now Listen has become more than that, where we're really trying to improve patient outcomes. So after researching in the community, you speak going to charity events, going to community events where you're speaking with clients and patients in the community, they're telling you that they bounce around, they can't find the right clinician, you know they don't match with them they don't know who to go to and so looking at a lot of these issues then my team and I were like let's tackle them so one of the biggest issues is you know the typical person who seeks help will see two or three people um, I guess two or three clinicians or psychologists before they find the right one and sometimes even then they settle they because they're tired of sharing their story I think sharing their story was one of the biggest issues and if we can use you know, algorithms and research to help them find the right person quicker and and maybe add artificial intelligence to help them and help mature the algorithm to help them find someone, then that would be great. It's going to help them find the person instead of t- trialing three people, maybe they'll find it on their first go. And that if they can meet that person, they can get better rapport, they'll get better outcomes. Um, And so that was really what started. And now we're starting to see all this research that 80% of therapeutic outcomes is based on the match. So suddenly, you know, what we were doing two and a half years ago, trying to make people find someone or uh, help them find someone better, uh, is now being proven in research. Not our algorithm, but, you know, the fact that we're heading that way, it's pretty cool.
0: That sounds really awesome. I mean, you know, similarly, like with GPs, um, we need to find the right one, the right fit for us, and there's no one GP that can cater to all sorts of patients, and likewise, like you said, with psychologists as well.
1: I, I totally agree, Dana, and I think that we're seeing this change where in the last, you know, last how many decades or since medicine and healthcare started, we've been very clinician centric. Everything has been around the clinician and developing treatment plans and, and so forth for patients, but the patients come to the doctor, ask them, you know, get asked and investigated. But now that patients are the center and they are the ones driving care, they're, they're choosing what they want, they're asking the questions, they, they don't want to just be treated. They want to be involved. And I think it's you know we're going to see across primary care, mental health, surgery, we're all going to have patients who are going to be advocating for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important as us clinicians to accept that. And how can we work with patients to create a healthier and a happier space for both of us mm-hmm. and, and making sure they get better care as well as that we're able to adjust and, and work in this new environment.
0: So you mentioned that you started this as a side hustle Mm -hmm. and you were originally in surgery. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine it was easy leaving behind surgery to pursue entrepreneurship. Can you please share with us some of the challenges you faced during that transition, especially juggling the two? And also if you had any regrets looking back.
1: It's definitely hard to juggle two things. you know, a lot of, you know, you hear all these stories in the media about people starting some side hustle with their nine to five, um, uh, you know, corporate job. But medicine, as you know, isn't it's nine, not to, nine five. to five. nine to five at all,
0: especially in surgery. <laughs>
1: yeah, but even even other specialties where you're dealing with shift work and just always being on call. And I think maybe I'm built for startup because I I used to work in surgery. and I'm really good at sleep deprivation. Um, (laughs) But the reality is it was a really hard choice. And it's it came to a point where, like I said, I, I started something. And over that time, over the first year, I was working on it at night. And, you know, when I wasn't on call, if I got home at seven, I'd probably eat dinner and get on to it. And you know, that was you know, getting it building it before you're actually dealing with customer service and so forth before that, it's it's quite easy to work on it at night. But the minute you launch, it makes it so much harder because you're at work, you're getting messages and you know, <laughs> it's probably not the safest thing. So, you know, I when we launched and our beta and we started really gaining traction and we went from you know three psychologists to you know i think it was like 25 or something in the first few months i remember thinking you know what do i enjoy more now i do love surgery i love operating and the you know the i guess the camaraderie that's in in surgery um but you know i really it started making me really think and it was really hard because i really like startup as well mm-hmm. and starting a business and i think that it's so funny. I didn't see it. I thought I was suited for surgery. And now when I speak to friends, they'll tell me, no, John, we actually could <laughs> definitely see you as a businessman. And And your mind's always like, you're always trying to think of solutions and, new, you know, covering all these areas. So I think that one of the nice things about business is it really pushes you in all directions. You're learning about business, finances, marketing, you know, sales, and really understanding product design. Um, and I love the variables and the challenges. And I think that's what attracted me to want to stay in business. Um, and so I decided I'll take a break from clinical medicine, which I locumed and, and did the business. And over that next year, I really fell in love with the industry. And it was more of You know, I saw after speaking to patients and clients in the community and people struggling, I was like, I think we actually are onto something. I think that we can actually use technology and develop solutions to fix problems. And that got me really excited. Um, And over that journey, I met some really passionate people in the charity industry, and they were doing awareness and so forth. And, you know, their passion really showed me that yeah we we gotta make a difference. And so I made the decision after a lot of going back and forth and it wasn't people might see this as because it's such a short time frame, you know, they just think that you left or I left. But I actually for a few months was going back and kept on welcoming because I was worried. I'm like, what if this fails? What if what if this fails and I don't have a job after or what if I get tired of this in six months? Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, we're going back and forth. And I remember, I think it was a third stint. I went back to the this Locum, um, in far North Queensland. And it was, a, I think it was about three months. And I remember really enjoying that term. And the bosses were really amazing. And I was like, had I met them earlier, I could maybe would have stayed in surgery, but it was in something in me that just ticked that I've really had, you know, I've done my bacon surgery, I'm ready to move on and, you know, do something in mental health. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, put in when my term finished, I said goodbye to everyone and I came back refreshed and ready to go full time. And yeah, it's, it's been full time ever since it was me and then now we have 10, 10, 10 staff in the office. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great. Um, definitely over the journey, you definitely have your ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there in business, there's a lot of rejection. Um, more, you know, people, people find it hard in medicine when they don't get onto programs yeah. and, and different things, but man, in business, there's a lot of rejection. and. Maybe, you know, maybe medicine has, built given us this resilience yeah. that makes us good at this. But, you know, really, I think I've learned to really love the industry and be passionate. And I, I really have a goal that I want to solve mental health or solve suicide risk or, you know, let's build preventive uh, predictive risk algorithms. And with that goal in the next five to 10 years, you know, I think that helps us stay focused. And keep going on the journey.
0: Um, And I like that you basically incorporated things that you really enjoy doing with medicine. I mean, you mentioned that you were considering staying in surgery because of this team that you really enjoyed Mm -hmm. working with. But, you know... I think as clinicians, if we want to be practicing for the next 40 years, we really have to love what we're actually doing, regardless of the people around us, because people leave or, you know, things happen, teams Mm. change. So, um, it's great that you found something that you love.
1: You know, I, I get a lot of people asking me, Oh, should I do business or should I do a startup? And, and, or they're scared of they're they're not sure clinical is the right thing. And, you know what? There's being a clinician's hard. Working in and out and being in these high-stress environments and always having to put the patient first. And you know, you we might be sick, coughing, cold, but we're still doing ward rounds. And you know, you're sl- sleep deprived and you're still going going to theater. Um, you know, and I think that is, I think being away for the last few years has made me really realize that we cannot help people if we're not looking after ourselves. Mm-hmm. And and don't undermine yourself. I think doctors, we're highly functioning, we're, we study, we're hardworking, but we constantly have this imposter syndrome and we constantly talk ourselves down and think, oh, we can't do this, or, you know, I don't know anything about business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the start, I didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's a learning curve, but just like study, we didn't know how to operate beforehand, or we didn't know how to treat certain conditions. But you work at it and you learn. And I think our aptitude and our ability and our willingness to learn makes us key candidates. And when I initially moved into you know the startup world, a lot of people would say, "Well, you're a doctor, so who's who's helping you with the business side?" Or you know, what what makes you think that you can do this? Um, but don't underestimate yourself. Just remember that. We work with teams. When you're a registrar and you're managing residents, you're managing interns, you're working with nurses, we know how to work with people. We're, I think there is an aspect, you know, we've, we've had bad eggs in the industry where there's bullying and different things, but we actually are quite quite a great industry in the sense that a lot of us work with, we're all males and females working together, and we respect each other. And, you know, one of the funniest things going into business is that, you know, when you're a resident or you register, you generally, without the overtime, we all get standardized rates, you know. um, These salaries are standardized per state. And it's it's until you move into business that you realize, well, oh, holy crap, you know, men and women have different pay grades and there really is inequality. Mm -hmm. And so it's really, I do think that in medicine and in in just in health, we were are very respectful of each other, mm-hmm. in in a lot of ways, and and I think that don't discount yourself that we're not suited for for doing a business. We might not be as prepared as someone who's done business or grown up in a business, but. The reality is we actually have all the tools. We have mm-hmm. leadership. We mm-hmm. have the ability to hard you know, work hard. I think To adapt as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, being adapt and resilience. You know, I think we have those in spades. Mm-hmm. So if anyone is out there listening to this and thinking, should I go for it? You know, go for it. You don't don't discount yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so let's move on to a bit more about your company and the um, online platform, Listen. So can you please talk us through all the awesome features um, and how can our listeners access it?
1: Yeah, Listen, you can go on to W-E-L-Y-S-N, so we welisten.com. And you can go onto our site. You can create an account, um, which is just, you know, email, password, and you really then enter a secure healthcare portal that is your well-being journal and, I guess, record. And so you can then watch educational content, read educational content as well um, with mental health from, you know, anxiety, relationships, depression, and, and, you know, do some learning, get more awareness. And then after that, you can then, Choose Well, if that's not enough for you, you can choose to speak to someone and then speaking with someone the way you want. So, you know, we started with online services. Now we're doing online uh, video calls. We do phone calls and now we do face to face. So really, you know, helping people find the the way they want to see someone uh, and get help. Um, And then on top of that, like we've talked about before, it's really helping you find the right person. So, you know, you can easily do the the filters and you can search the the areas that you want and what you're exactly looking for. And you can then look at profiles and find the one that is suited. Uh, And if you have a few that you're not sure about, but you're keen, you can use our matching consultations, which you get five for every sign up to an account. And that's a 25 minute session for $19 just to meet and greet a clinician. Mm. So you can feel, well, I don't want to use, um, you know, spend, you know, $69 speaking to someone that I might know within five to 10 minutes I might not like. Mm-hmm. You can trial different clinicians until you find the right one. Wow. And then the third thing is, then you can add do the Advanced Matching Questionnaire, which is 21 questions. It asks you questions about what you're looking for, personality, and we do that as well as on the psychologist side. So we're really trying to help you find the right fit. And, you know, it's more about... You know, there's a lot of lovely clinicians out there, but their techniques and their styles can be different. Mm -hmm. So, for example, some clinicians like to listen. Other clinicians like to listen by challenge you and give you homework and so forth. And if you don't know that and you're you're already just kind of like just you just warmed yourself up to stop speaking to someone and then you meet someone who's like giving you directives and homework um, you know that's that's a scary thing and i've had uh, clients contact us and say well i didn't realize i had to do homework and i'm like well you know we apologize uh, we will happy to you know find you someone else who fits your needs and and so really understanding that so you know that's what you can do on our on listen and then after that you know with with the journey with a clinician you know you can they can do assessments they can do you know uh, well-being monitoring so you can put your mood in your sleep journals and so forth so that's really trying to make you know care better throughout the week so you can then share with your clinician that okay I might be seeing you today but the last two weeks have been horrible so really we're trying to be this this full end-to-end solution for well-being covering every area in a step care model so if it's education that you're looking for versus services you can ha- have it all in one area mm-hmm. and in a healthcare secure um, environment
0: that is game changing Thank um you. can you explain a little bit more when you say clinicians are you just referring to psychologists or are there psychiatrists in there as well or mental health nurses like who are they
1: very good question dear. um right now we're just psychologists Um, and we are we are about to expand Uh, we're expanding into new zealand with psychologists but we are bringing on other mental health clinicians so psychiatrists social workers um, and counselors and because we understand that you know you might there might be someone who you know needs to speak to someone in a specific language or want to speak to might need some medication prescribed Mm -hmm. or monitored and a psychologist isn't going to be the only person but really once once we integrate the them into the system. We really want to make sure that we can add multidisciplinary teams and and management, so that you know they're all getting you know the the patient or the client is getting taken care of holistically, mm-hmm. and they're not just being siloed to one one person. Because I don't think giving someone medication or antidepressant is the only solution. Mm-hmm. You gotta you gotta work through your issues, and then maybe you might need an assistance with some medication, yep. and, and maybe not. Mm-hmm.
0: So you mentioned that you've gone from a very smallish side hustle and built <laughs> up to a very, now a big company. What's next for Listen?
1: Um, everyone has lofty, you know, or big goals. Um, I think someone asked me recently, you know, you're at 500 psychologists. Where do you want to be at the end of 2020? Um, and that's, you know, we want to be in hospitals. We want to be across as many GP clinics as possible and helping GPS f- help their patients and, you know find the right psychologists. and, and we want to have the biggest network of clinicians. And so whether that number might be 1500 or 2,000, uh, I don't know. you know we, we, we would love we just we just want to make sure that we are still bringing on you know quality clinicians and we're providing good services. Um, but our long term goal you know our three year goal is we want to make health as accessible as possible so right now we're seeing the earliest you can see someone on our system because we're not an acute we are not an acute service is 3 hours but in comparison if you look at the numbers 60% of initial consults are done within 24 hours mm-hmm. and 100% of initial consults are done within 72 that's amazing. So in comparison to, you know, some wait times can be, you know, four weeks yeah. and so forth, it's an it's achievement.
0: Yes, it our is. Our
1: goal in the next three years is to have non-acute services being able to be given in 10 minutes. Wow. And maybe in the first year, it'll be easy to get it down to 90 minutes or an hour. But I think it, it will definitely be challenging for any company, and especially us, to, to achieve that 10-minute goal. But that's our three-year goal. Okay. So um, it's on the it's on the board at all at work and, and so you know we can we can definitely aim for that.
0: Well, I really hope you reach that goal because it'll help a lot of patients who are, particularly when they're going through like a mental health crisis and mm-hmm. you know it's hard when, especially for example, if they're coming through the emergency department. They're sort of in prices and we're telling them to just sit there and wait for the mental health person mm-hmm. who won't even show up for another two, three hours, which is, you know, a bit ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and when you when you look at those numbers and you know we've I've gone through a lot of the state and federal data, like there is so much you can have done to preempt that. You know, when you look at the data where someone, you know, presents to the ED how many days prior were they asking for help? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, had the GP saw them, they gave them referral, but they couldn't get help. So they got, they booked an appointment six weeks later, mm-hmm. and then they were at home and they they went into crisis. So how can we make community services so accessible? Mm-hmm. You know, like we're talking about ten minutes, and making sure that maybe we can intervene early enough that they don't end up going to the hospital, or yeah. for those getting discharged from the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, how can we prevent them from you know, regain, readmitted within twenty eight days because they don't have the proper follow up. Yeah. You know, we give patients all the time uh, a letter or a piece of paper. Take it back to your GP. How many people actually go to their GP? Yeah. Um, and and so how can we how can we onboard patients, discharge them but making sure when we discharge them from hospital that we've already matched them with someone, and so we know that there's someone in the community that will look after them. And I think that's the next step for you know, one of the steps for listen in the next year or so is that how can we make that transition from GP to in the community to the hospital and vice versa, the hospital back to the GP, how can we smooth that transition? So, you know, as you when we kind of mock up pathways for for patients in the community they're jumping between different services that are all siloed how can we make that one nice line end to end care yeah. and that's that's the goal
0: okay now last question name one or two things that keep you sane in your crazy busy life it doesn't have to be only two um, i've had some guests who go up to three or four so whatever that you do please share it with us
1: everyone's definitely different uh, I do get asked this question quite a bit, just because I'm in the mental health or well-being industry. Um, probably, actually, you know, honestly, have pretty bad self-care. <laughs> you know, and while
0: you were <clears throat> in surgery, I'm pretty sure you did.
1: I, I learned all these bad habits, right? <laughs> um, and so, it's it's a constant battle. It's it's never easy. And just because I'm a founder uh, of a well-being company doesn't mean I do self-care better. You know, a startup is not something that. You you plan to get eight hours of sleep a night, and and I think I work as hard, equally as hard in startup as I do it did in surgery, mm-hmm. if not more. Mm-hmm. The only difference is I don't get woken up at night. So, um, but definitely in the last year, um, I've definitely tried to implement new things as we've gotten busier because my travel schedules are getting really difficult. Um, but one of the things is make, make time for yourself. Uh, make time for your really close family and friends. Stay connected. It's so easy to get in this habit where something at work is happening and I'll end up canceling on a close friend to catch up or family because I know they'll 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 be okay with it and it might be me missing time with my niece or my nephew, mm-hmm. new nephew. So um, I definitely um, trying to make more time and I think, staying connected as loneliness is now starting to show that it's one of the biggest issues Mm. for people so stay connected with uh family and friends um and you know i think it's really being healthy um you know when you're in your 20s you can definitely put off things and you can you can eat, drink, whatever you want and still turn up, you know, to to work in a high functioning manner. But I think now that I'm, you know, in my you know, mid 30s getting on with it, you really have to take care of yourself. And, you know, we're starting to see new studies that that your diet it makes a difference with well-being mm-hmm. and just making sure you get in your exercise. Don't drink as much, you know, as we did in our 20s. Um, I've actually you know uh, I've gone pretty much dry and expect except the special occasions and I'm actually surprised at how big a difference it's made and you know it's you know clarity of thinking and, and and working and so forth so I think it's you know eat healthy just cut down the booze I think you really realize how much Australians and our Australian culture do we drink until you quit. Like, it's not noticeable, and then you quit, and then you're like, it's really noticeable. So be moderate, okay? Um, and and take time for yourself. And I think that's really important. Um, and, you know, for, for other people, you know, it could be exercise, it could be mindfulness. I know a lot of people... Um, colleagues and you know friends who have to do mindfulness and meditation regularly and that really works for them Mm -hmm. um it's not my thing but you know find find your path Mm-hmm. And every path is different, yeah. and try it. You know, yeah. I've tried my yoga and Pilates, so yeah. it might not be for me, neither is vegan food, but you know, <laughs> um, you got to try it and yeah. see what it's like.
0: Yeah, find what works for you. Yeah. And um, I was actually uh, telling someone, I can't remember who, but pretty sure it was someone outside of the medical industry that um, doctors are actually like the worst at looking after themselves, even though we're meant to be the advocates of health and everything we're actually the worst at practicing what we preach so
1: it's funny because you know my dad's doctor and you know he, he might, you know, he really cares about his patients and, you know, he'll know about things and he'll be telling, you know, he'll tell you that, you know, he went above and beyond and, you know, diagnosed this patient and saved their life. And, you know, you tell him you have a cough for a cold when you're a kid and he just says, oh, open up the drawer and take some, you know, Panadol. So, um, yeah, it's um, definitely, definitely start looking after yourself. It's it's a new generation. I think, you know, the healthier we are, we can then look after our patients better.
0: Mm. I couldn't agree more.
1: Well, thank you so much for your time, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Dana. It's been a pleasure. Um, You guys can, um, I'm sure uh, Dana will post this on social media. Yes, I will. And, uh, you know, uh, send me a DM, send me an email. Happy to answer any questions um, and follow um, Dana's podcast. Thank
0: you, Jonathan. If you really like that episode please don't forget to leave a review on itunes to help a sister out and don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode